Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Chip Nellinger. Chip, how you doing tonight? Doing well. Doing well. We had a beautiful day here. Nicest day we've had uh, yet this spring. It was almost 80 degrees, so uh, we're enjoying it while it's here because the rain's coming. That's what I hear. Are you guys going to get some rain? Sounds like we're going to get some snow. I mean, what? it wouldn't be spring in uh, western Nebraska without a freak snowstorm every once in a while. That's right. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy, crazy. But it's this time of the year where you get these big these big snows come through like this, and they last uh, about four hours long enough for it to get to the ground, and then it melts off pretty quick and makes a, makes a muddy mess and slows down some field work and those kind of things that pop up. But for the most part, it's uh, kind of one of those things that we kind of anticipate. Yeah, there's a lot of moisture coming, and that's... Um like you said, the, the snow, if it comes in snow form, it's not going to last very long, but, you know, it's still precipitation. And, right. um, you know, right now it's wet everywhere. It's wet here. We've had, uh, I, I mean, it rained today. It, it rained hard today, and then mm-hmm. the sun, sun came back out. So it was, it left me in a, a nice day to, to be outside, but it's certainly not good for field work. We're not doing any net drying. We're adding to the, the, uh, the wet soil profile. So, yeah. Uh, and more rain coming, you know, later this week. And it's, um, I don't know, it's it's early enough that it can still turn off and, and we're going to get it planted, but uh, I don't know. It's not uh, the best start we've had in a long, long time. And, uh, you know, especially for the West, you go to get out to, between you and I is the real war zone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've heard estimates between, I don't know, three and 700,000 acres that, um, you know, along that uh, Missouri River Valley that, that won't be planted. I mean, not like switch to corn or switch to beans, just not going to get planted. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely got the makings for uh, a lot of volatility. We've already seen a little bit of that. And uh, it's going to be an interesting growing season, to say the least. Yeah, it's going. there's a lot of stuff going on um, right now, whether you just kind of look around on, on Twitter and you kind of see what's out there and, there's a lot of folks that have that are in the field working. You know, if you look at, you know, looks like Western Oklahoma, and you get down into Western Texas, and and even into Eastern Texas for that matter, it seems like there's some there's some good field work getting done, some planning getting done. Those kind of things are kind of on schedule. But the further north you go, the, the less work's getting done, and uh, and it's just because of whether it's too cold or too wet or some freak storms coming through or whatever it might be. So there's there's going to be a lot of pressure on on just the uh, the overall planted acres reports and those kind of things that start popping up. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues there with, uh, like we mentioned, all the flooding that's happened. Um, if you remember back, this past fall was just one of the worst falls in probably in modern history as far as getting, uh, you know, crop out, getting field work done. There was no field work done to speak of. No, uh, you know, very little... Uh, fertilizer or field work or uh, nitrogen, uh, you know, and hydro supply. And I got an issue with the, 
Mississippi River, where a lot of that flows, uh, a lot of fertilizer and nitrogen flows uh, up north on the Mississippi, and you get much north of uh, St. Louis, and they still got high water issues, and you know it's really restricting the, the flow here. So uh, we got that potential bottleneck if it doesn't straighten out quickly. Uh, certainly, more rain uh, to the north, and you know the, the Dakotas, Minnesota area. Uh, does not bode well for the uh, Mississippi River water levels. So there's a little bit of everything out there, and um, you know we'll we'll see. There is, uh, I guess, the, the point B, and, and we can talk about this. But uh, commodity funds have basically record short position, new record short. I think they're about two hundred seventy thousand contracts short of corn, uh, give or take. Can't remember the exact number from Friday's commitment to traders report, but uh, we are. You know, far from assured of a record crop at this point. It's, uh, uh, you know, arguably uh, a late start, one of the later starts we've had in a while. Um, the market doesn't quite perceive that yet. And we always get it planted, and I know we're powered up and, and we can get a lot of corn on the ground in a hurry, but that doesn't mean it's under ideal conditions. And I think the one thing the market might be missing is uh, the fact that we do have. Tremendous amount of field work. We can, it's not like we're just ready to go plant when right. uh, the weather cooperates. We've got yeah. just a ton of field work to do. So that's going to take some time to get, uh, you know, everything done field work wise. And then you plant. And right now it is, you know, obviously less than ideal. We get maybe a day, day and a half of nice warm weather. And then comes the rains for two or three days. So we're not in a real good uh, weather pattern right now. The, the extended forecast doesn't look good. Uh, you guys, kind of that central plain, central northern plain is going to get hammered again later this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one of those kind of like mini hurricanes, you know, where this low pressure moves through and it's, you know, essentially kind of like a, a mild hurricane. You know, the, the low pressure is, is uh, as low as, um, you know, what they would classify as a category one hurricane out, you know, on, on the coast. And with that comes a bunch of crappy weather, and like you said, snow, rain. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, the, the big thing here last week was uh, Friday. We had a nice rally going in everything, corn, beans, wheat. Um, but then Thursday afternoon, we saw the announcement that it's going to be at least four more weeks for a uh, trade agreement. Um the, the Chinese trade delegation did stay uh, through the weekend. I think they left today, either late yesterday or, or this morning. So they did push through and work a little bit more. They're going to uh, talk um, like by video conference here going forward the next week. But there is no official agreement yet. And, and the market uh, took a little bit of a dip there uh, on Friday because of that news and just disappointment that uh, it's the same old thing. You know, it's like hurry up and wait on this thing. And everyone's getting just sick and tired of it. So. We'll see. I think we've got, um, you know, the, the, a bad enough forecast that, uh, and, and hopefully a trade agreement coming at some point. Uh, it could be sooner. He didn't say that it couldn't come quicker than four weeks. They're working on it still. But, um, you know, I don't think we fall apart totally, but we're probably not going to go a whole lot of anywhere just slopping around in this green market yeah. until we know a little more about the trade agreement. And it's still early enough that uh, the, the weather doesn't matter in the market yet. But if it stays like this, we're still talking about this uh, in in two Sundays or three Sundays, and it's still cold and wet and rainy, and we haven't got much field work done. Then the market's going to care a lot more than it does uh, tonight. 
Yeah. So stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, there's a uh, just I'm so sick of talking about China. <laughs> it's about China, man. No, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I, I mean, I'm, and everybody is, and the market is, and that's why yeah. you see that announcement and um, you know that 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 Trump beans puke by 10 or 12 cents at one point Friday. And yeah. Corn was down in nickel at one point. It came back a little bit on the close, but yeah. I mean, the whole market's just sick of it. And yeah. the problem is the funds, you know, it's like, well, how can the funds sell it, right? The weather's crappy. We're going to have a trade agreement. And, you know, the only, only one making any money are the shorts right now. So you can cuss them all you want and say, well, that doesn't make sense. Why do you be short? But they're the only ones making money right now. So, and they're going to keep selling it until they're proven wrong. They got so much money and they're being short in the markets that they don't care if they get out at the absolute low. They're going to make money even if they get out, you know, higher than where we're at today on some sort of uh, an official announcement of a trade agreement. So, they're just going to keep selling it because. Like everyone else, you, me, everyone is sick of talking about China at this point and the potential trade agreement, and they just want something uh, set in stone, and we're yeah. not getting it yet. Yeah. The, the part I hate about it is it's this is the same conversation that we've had for almost a year now. You know, it's just that same, yeah. the same deal. You know, we don't... Yeah. Well, we're going to do this, then we're not going to do this. Or, yeah, we, we said uh, we're going to, you know, Trump comes out or somebody from the delegation comes out and says, hey, you know what, we, we set the world on fire, we're going to get a deal done, and China's ready to do this, and da-da. and then China comes back and says, I don't even know what they're talking about. We never even said that. So, same thing, you know. Uh, you know, I keep yeah. hearing this, we're 10%, 10%, 10% away from getting this, this deal done, and it, it goes nowhere, and then the markets reflect that. Yeah, and the, and the other problem is that um, it's been hyped up so much at this point that you know, it's going to be great for farmers and this massive amount of uh, agricultural products China's going to take mm-hmm. that it could potentially be a little bit underwhelming once it's announced. So yeah. hopefully um, all the uh, presidential tweets have been, uh, you know, will be what they deliver because I think it's set a pretty high bar on what the market expects. And uh, it, it better be some big, big numbers or the market's going to be underwhelmed. And instead of, you know, this great deal that takes, uh, you know, beans 50 cents higher and corn 30 cents higher, we're going to open up 7 cents higher and close 5 lower and the market's going to be disappointed. So... So I've read two different articles, both, I think one was in Bloomberg and one was in, uh, actually, I listened to the, an interview on Bloomberg and I read it in the Wall Street Journal, but they were talking about one, I can't remember which one was which, but one of them were talking about a 2024 um, zero um, trade difference uh, balance between the U.S. and China, right? Obviously, the bulk of that is going to be come from agricultural products, right? That's that's pretty much a given. Now, the other side of that, the flip side of that was uh by 2025, they would implement fully implement the uh, uh, intellectual property uh, thing. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you give it. What do you gain in there? Did we gain anything? They still have five or six years to kind of mess around with right. with, with trademarks and everything I else. Know. But they've that's, got five years to buy. The thing they farm this thing yeah. is, um, you know, there's been some talk about that. It's concerned me a little bit too. How long it takes to implement all this and how long we're going to allow them to yeah. kind of ramp up and there's a lot of questions in this thing that 
is a little bit scary, a little bit concerning. Yep. Okay, so let's flip back a week ago Friday when they had the, the acreage uh, planted acreage report come out and on the up or estimate come out and you know obviously there was 30 day lag between the floodwaters and the time it took the survey I, i've read and heard anything up around three million to even up into five million acres of of corn could be displaced because of this uh of the planting uh or, well because of the flood and then just because of the way the uh the the planting season is kind of st starting to stretch out what would that mean to the market and how what kind of effect do you see that having on stuff yeah, well, I think that um, most people would argue that you've seen the highest corn acreage number. And if it stays wet, it's going to uh, drop possibly dramatically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's certainly going to help support corn. The question becomes, is that going to be prevent plant that doesn't get planted or will get switched to beans? And the problem is everyone thinks, oh, well, we're going to get the next, the final uh, acreage report at the end of June, right? And so we're going to have all the answers. We're not going to have any of the answers to the problem because uh, the, the acreage reports are, in my opinion, not um, synced up to uh, the RMA data. And so we're going to be fighting this question. Uh, this is going to be just about like China. We're going to be fighting this question until the January crop report, unfortunately. Um, because, number one, how many acres go to prevent plant? How many acres get switched from corn to beans? And we're not going to know by the June, unfortunately. And uh, I've heard estimates of uh, up to 700,000 acres along the Missouri River that won't get, I'm not talking switch yeah. from corn to beans. It's not going to get planted plant. under any circumstances. Right. Um, more rain and snow isn't going to decrease that number. The Red River Valley, I saw some pictures on Twitter um, you know, North Dakota and uh, up uh, in uh, northwestern uh, Minnesota, portions of South Dakota, very, very wet and flooded. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be more than we've seen in the last two or three years. I can guarantee you that. But unfortunately, Casey, we're going to be fighting this out until January. Um, so, which, you know, everybody should... Uh, Call your your uh, congressman and your uh, state secretary of ag and tell them to fix the acreage numbers and sync it up to the RMA, and we'll uh, we'll know quicker and more accurately. So um, I'm I'm kind of down. I'm on my soapbox about the acreage reports. I think that they they're not quite right. Maybe 20 years ago it was the best we could do, but we can do a lot better now, and they won't fix it. Yeah. Yep, there's a, there's a lot of technology that goes out in those fields right now that can tell you exactly what got planted, when, and where, and exactly. all kinds of all exactly. kinds of great stuff. Pretty pretty much real time, so they could they could do that pretty easily. Um, okay, so now another part of that, if, along with that Missouri River Valley up uh, in in, east, in eastern Nebraska and Iowa and all the way up into North and South Dakota, um, you know I've heard the number a million head of cattle lost uh, and counting uh, yeah. along with that. Um, but the cattle market really hasn't had a big reaction to that. What, what's your what's your take on that? Well, I think we may have though. Uh, if you look back a couple of weeks ago when we put the high in, we uh, we rallied about uh, four or five dollars uh, straight up immediately off of that news. And I believe it was the the Nebraska uh, Secretary of Ag uh, came out and um, 
decent numbers, and I think he, he mentioned maybe up to a million head of, uh, of calves were lost. Um, so I, th I think some of that may be factored in. We trimmed the cash market lower for a couple weeks now. Uh, this past week was really volatile. You had a huge up day, two and a half dollars on higher on Thursday. We relaxed a little bit uh, Friday. I think hogs and cattle are playing into each other now too. You've had a huge move in, uh, in hogs because of this uh, African swine fever issue. And the reports are uh, some pretty um, reliable uh, sources are saying that, you know, big, big numbers, which we've kind of known for a while, but we're starting to get some confirmation of, of just a massive amount of numbers of hogs that have been lost in China. And, and it, it looks like it could be between 30 and 40 percent of their hawker. massive numbers. And so um, even though cash is trading a little bit lower, this huge uh, in, in cattle, uh, huge rally in hogs is starting to spill over and support there. So you're, the, the meat markets, the cattle, feeder cattle, uh, lean hogs, starting to see massive amounts of volatility. And, uh, you know, you better have a, a, a tight seat belt there in those markets because uh, it's way different than the grain markets right now. I think you could see that eventually in the grain markets, but these livestock markets are just getting uh, really volatile, really choppy. Um, huge moves, big daily ranges, uh, just getting uh, kind of a lot of excitement built up uh, in these livestock markets. I don't think you've seen the high in hogs. If you haven't seen the high in hogs, it's going to spill over and drag cattle higher irregardless of uh, what, you know, the cash cattle market's doing. So uh, I guess if there's one exciting uh, portion of our uh, ag markets, it is definitely in the livestock sector. Right now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So one other, <clears throat> one other outside market I want to hit on, you know, the stock market's kind of been back and forth all over the place. Um, they finished up on Friday, uh, quite a bit, actually about 400 plus points. Um, but the one I've been keeping my eye on quite a bit is the oil market. OPEC came out and said they were going to basically get oil back up to 70 bucks a barrel. And once they got there, they would start making decisions on where they wanted to go from there. Um, Obviously, when that happens, the U.S. shale oil market's going to go back online and start feeding that in. They start breaking even somewhere in that high 40s, low 50s range, somewhere in there, and that's going to start bringing that up. So we're at that point now. I think West Texas closed somewhere around 52 bucks on Friday, something like that, and um, so that market's going to take off. What's your take when you walk when you look out there at the oil market right now? Do you see anything out there that is a trigger to you that says, "Hey, you know, we're going to see that 70." Dollar, you see that coming true? Do you see that happening? Do you see that the U.S. market's going to be a big competitor in that in that when it gets to that fifty plus dollar barrel oil range? Yeah, I think we're going to be a big competitor. But if uh, OPEC says we want oil at seventy dollars, I'm going to uh, probably put my money on OPEC. And despite you know President Trump saying you know OPEC needs to increase production and um, we need lower oil prices, so. Uh, stock market's on fire. It's kind of challenging all-time highs. Uh, crude oil uh, had a really uh, decent week last week. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to favor and kind of lean towards the fact that if OPEC says they want $70 crude oil, it's only 8 bucks away. Mm -hmm. Speculative community loves uh, the oil market, and they probably are going to get up to that level, if not higher. And, um, you know, again, it's not great when you go to fill up. Your car, your, your, your truck, your tractor, 
Um, but it can spill over and start giving us a little bit of uh, inflationary boost as well in our commodity markets. It'll also help uh, ethanol margins as well as, um, you know, crude oil and the, and the products, uh, heating oil and, and uh, unleaded gasoline rally along with crude oil. That'll help give uh, ethanol margins a little bit of a bump and we need that as well. Um, so it's a double-edged sword, you know, you're definitely obviously going to pay more at the pump, but uh, from a corn demand standpoint, it might be, and just kind of a general inflationary standpoint, it might be something that uh, could give us a little bump in our ag markets. So uh, crude oil is always the, you know, the double-edged sword there. Um, you know, do, do you want to pay more at the pump? I guess uh, in, in the farm world, maybe, maybe you kind of do because it's going to help you know, uh, maybe light a fire under the inflationary type boost for uh, commodity, uh, you know, grain prices especially. So, yep. Yep. the U.S. dollar had a pretty good run yesterday there by the end of the week, and it looks like the dollar finished higher um, compared to the other stuff. Brexit's probably driving a little bit of that. Some people jumping out of the European uh, markets and putting some stuff in the U.S. dollar. But um, probably one other thing that probably really drove that more than anything was the fact that the the uh, Fed came out and said, hey, we're not going to raise rates here for a while. It's like we're going to kind of do a, a wait-and-see type approach to how we're going to move forward with uh, what we had talked about doing every quarter, you know, and, and kind of wait and see. So as you look at that right now, that's not necessarily – helping our export market at all with a, with a stronger dollar but that being said we still pretty much have the cheapest commodities out there as far as corn and beans go uh, yeah we really do. and wheat as well mm-hmm. um so yeah the dollar obviously is going to drive that see a lot of volatility there as well i think brexit's playing a lot uh, into this that when everyone kind of says the dollar, let's look at the dollar. That's a that's a dollar index. It's a basket um, of foreign currencies against the U.S. dollar. And I don't know why they ever did this, but when they developed the dollar index, it's probably back in the '80s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they decided we're going to um, uh, use the euro currency as 50 percent of the weighting of that. So. The, the dollar, as most people look at it, is the dollar index. And unfortunately, the the, uh, the euro currency has the biggest weighting. And it's been flying around because, you know, uh, the United Kingdom's going to leave. They're not going to leave. What's that mean to the to the European Union? And it's, uh, it's caused the dollar some big swings. But, you know, that you, you almost have to dig in and, and dive in and look at separate um, different currencies, and uh, it's not all as bad as what uh, the dollar index would tell you. Uh, and you know, really, if, if the truth be told, the, uh, the the Brazilian real and the Argentine peso probably have more influence on, uh, particularly beans, but also corn to some respect uh, than any other foreign currency because of the competitiveness that they have in the southern hemisphere. So. Uh, point being, oh, what, what I'm saying is all this, there's a, there's some mixed signals coming from uh, some of the currencies. Uh, been a little, for sure, a little bit of a headwind against our uh, grain markets. But we are, uh, especially in wheat, the cheapest source in the world. We saw a nice bump higher last week in wheat exports, so that was good news. A um, little bit of a, of a bummer week in exports on corn. 
Beans were good, really good, but that was because of uh, the previous week's big announcement to China. So that was uh, kind of expected in beans. But uh, the dollar is definitely going to play a big role going forward in the next oh, six months to a year. And there's plenty of uh, outside influences. And you get the, then you don't have Brexit's one. Uh, what the Fed's going to do here? We're going to raise interest rates. Low, President Trump tell, Trump is telling them we need to lower interest rates. Right, yeah, I saw that. Immediately. Yeah. So that's going to have that. a major influence on uh, the dollar going forward. Yeah. Yeah, that was a funny article. I read that while I was sitting in the lobby waiting on everyone to come down for the basketball tournament this week and we were in Laramie. And I was like, really? We're gonna now we're gonna go backwards because that was the whole you know that was gonna save us by doing that. Now we're gonna go backwards because yeah, whatever. It's yeah. Whatever. Well, and that to be honest would help. That would help re stimulate the economy. Oh, absolutely uh, it would. Yeah. Cranking in some, on, on, in some respects. Yep. But that would help uh, pump the economy up. It would be a little bit inflationary. Yep. Uh, that would definitely help the grain markets. But uh, unfortunately, uh, or, or fortunately, probably fortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately. Fortunately, the Federal Reserve is a, is a separate, uh, you, you know, supposedly unbiased and, uh, you know, unpolitical organization. And they're going to make their own decisions, despite what uh, other people think they should or should do. But uh, if if you're in the ag world, I mean, you you are open for a uh, no more interest rate increases. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, or a cut, a small cut. That would be a big shock, and uh, probably give us a little bit of a of a boost from an inflationary uh, you know tailwind there. Yeah, my only fear with going backwards this quick is that there's there'd be a. Uh, I'm not saying that that the economy isn't doing well because it's doing very well, but a, a false sense of of how well it's doing, and then everything yeah. would take off and just go like crazy one way, and then there then the correction back down would be something that I, that I'm worried about with that. So that's that's kind of part of my statement there is the that would you talk about throwing uncertainty in the marketplace? Holy crap! You go backwards. Yeah. A quarter point or a half a point right. or something like that. Next thing you know, boom, stock market's at thirty thousand and then we're gonna recorrect back down to twenty thousand and what happens then. So yeah. it's just that's the scary part. <clears throat> nah. And the reality is everybody, you know, gauges the economy on the stock market and the, and it's not a one for one correlation. No, so not at all. Um you're you're exactly right. The Fed almost needs to wait a little bit, maybe not raise rates, certainly probably not drop them. Yeah, you just go steady for a while, and uh, because that's tool they need to kind of help cushion the next uh, setback, and it's nobody knows when that is, but it's likely right. just around the corner. We've had a a nice run in the economy, so yeah. uh, a little bit of a hiccup, and they've got a little bit of ammunition to to throw at us to to uh, kind of cushion us. But if they start dropping immediately, that you know they lose some of their firepower there. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Chip. So, folks, uh, since you've, if you've listened to this show, you can tell there's a lot of stuff going on, whether you're in a flood-stricken area or have another blizzard out west or, you know, the mountains were packed full of snow when I was out, out in uh, Wyoming this year, just looking at the at the horizon. And so there's going to be plenty of water coming out of the, of the uh, you know, for the western part of the United States when you start looking at irrigation. So there's going to be plenty of stuff out there. Plenty of stuff happening. People working on a on a plan or, or ha- need help developing one. How would they do that, Chip? Yeah, best way is just uh, give us a call 309-550-7213. We would love to chat with you. It's critically important. The grain markets are putting everyone to sleep. 
uh, and, and it really should. It still should be a high priority, high focus. Uh, look at what cattle have done. Look at what feeder cattle have done. Look at what hogs have done. That will eventually come back to the grain markets. You've got to have a plan. So uh, we'd love to chat with you and uh, kind of give you some advice and, and uh, a second opinion, second set of eyes and ears on uh, what your current plan is and just give you our opinion. So uh, you can give us a call and we'd be happy to chat with you. Right on. All right, Chip. Well, take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you again next week. This is uh, Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. All right, Casey. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher